focus on breaking down risk management problems bit by bit until we find a solution. If you would like to discuss anything you hear on GPP with us, please reach out using the links in the description. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the show, Andy. Glad to have you on. I'm excited. Nice. Um, thanks so much for having me. This is going to be cool. And, and check that out. You're in space. I mean, with the lunar eclipse or something going by. Like, I always want to be in space. That's the goal. So we'll see if we can get there one day. But yeah, in the meantime, just uh, act like we are. Connect with. Well, it goes with the brand, the glove box, right? You know, you know, the... you know it. Yeah, I got a little <laughs> spaceman here. There you go. There That's you go. awesome. Little, uh, you haven't uh, punched your ticket yet or paid for your ticket on Blue Origin or. We'll see what happens with the glove box in the next couple of years, and then I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there you go. There you go. Um, yeah, no, that's – we'll definitely want to get there. But let's – before we get to kind of uh, what you're doing with glove box, you want to just give your background a little bit, who you are, where you came from, what you've been up to? Um, yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. Yeah, start there. Awesome. Uh, yeah, Andy Matheson, co-founder, chief marketing officer here at Glovebox currently. Um former insurance agent, former agency owner inside the independent channel. Uh, my dad started an independent agency in 1996, 97. Um, and at that point, kind of got to, I was obviously a little kid at that point. I got to watch him, uh, you know, grow an agency from basically scratch. It was a very, very small book of business, like 50,000 in premium at the time. It was pretty small, uh, but he uh, organically grew that company uh, from that very, very small book of business to about five, I think it was about seven million actually in premium by the time I joined in 2012. Um, and when I joined, I was actually brought in not to write, not to produce, uh, but to um, it was the marketing director. So really tying up all the loose ends on the branding, um, ensuring that all of our um, marketing as a company was in good order. Before I ended up hitting the um, pounding the pavement and, and generating leads. Um, pretty much all day, every day is my core role as the marketing director. For, so lead generation. Um, did that for, I want to say about five years, um, going to my professional network and, you know, generating as much business as possible, anywhere between 125 to 200 leads a month. I was kind of the goal. And then basically distributing those leads to a team of inside sales, um, producers. Um, and then also alongside, uh, alongside that role training, uh, 1099 independent contractors within the organization, how to lead generate as well. Um, so that went on for again, about five years. And then elevated to that sales manager role that kind of you naturally kind of fall into and um, did that for about a year and a half before I ended up doing the recruiting um, aspect. And that's when we really scaled into, uh, gosh, at one point we had 140 producers. Uh, so that's where the agency ended up right before we sold. Uh, we reached 100 million in personal lines premium. Um, and at that point, we we sold the private equity in 2019. And, and uh, myself and my brother and my business partner, Sean, who was one of our top agents, at the agency, we moved on to start Glovebox. And so just to recap that so everybody catches that, when you started, you're about a $7 million premium agency, call it to $100 million in how many years? Um, it would have been would have been eight years. Yeah. Yeah, so that's crazy. I mean, and I heard you, you kind of talk about uh, at a conference, talk about how you did that, kind of some of those things that you implemented, which we can certainly jump into. But uh, I want to make sure we get to though, before we maybe get back there, what you're doing today with the glove box, because, you know, we talk a ton on the show um, about client experience, building relationships, 
you know, the role of technology in that, that relationship building uh, a piece and, and how we can use technology to build better relationships, create better experiences. So maybe just give the, the 30,000 foot view of Glovebox, what you guys are doing there, how it kind of impacts that, you know, helps, helps in that arena. Yeah, good prompt. Uh, basically, we when we were at the agency, we recognized it was very strange um, the relationship the client has with an independent agent. It wasn't just us. Um, you know, you're coming from State Farm as a client, and you come get a quote because your mortgage broker says to get a quote from this independent agent. You say, "Sure thing." You know, you go through the process, and then you have that policy written for you. And um, honestly, you're a little confused. You're like, "Okay, I'm working with you." John Smith, the insurance agent, but you're writing me with carrier A um, and they're not you, right? You're different companies and it is, that's the case, right? So um, now the question is who do I go to for what and how do I manage my own insurance? What do I do? Where do I go and how do I do it? Um, And every independent agent has a different answer on that exact question. The question being, where do your clients go to manage their insurance? And I think that's a strange concept. We have to figure that out as an industry. So um, when the other kind of piece of that is part two, um, is when we were at the agency, we also recognized that our service team was inundated daily with just calls on calls and emails on emails. And um, they were all based on what we call tier one service. Tier one service is things that don't make the agency any money. And um, that would be things like requesting ID cards, requesting deck pages, uh, the client calling and asking who is their insurance carrier, what is their policy number, how do I pay a bill? These are all things that are very basic that a client does not, and I repeat, does not want to call their agent for. And I yeah. promise you, agents, well, if you're listening, like to talk to me. clients Whoa. don't want to call you for an easy request. <laughs> Stop telling everyone that you want them to call you. They don't want to call you for an ID card. Yeah. That's called service job. though, right, Andy? We, yeah. hey, we picked up the phone though, Andy, first ring. Oh my God. Okay, that's the other part is your phone lines do not go directly to some human most of the time. Like most independent agents have a phone tree and you got to figure out how to get to the agent or the human. And no one wants to wait on hold for a friggin' ID card. So stop making them do that. And so we recognized that and we said, this is ridiculous. We're not going to, and then, by the way, there's a third part. The third part is typically an independent agent if they are offering some sort of app or some sort of um, policy management tool. They're saying, hey, just go to Progressive, just go to Nationwide and download their app. Well, do you realize what you're doing when you offer that exact navigation? You're putting them in front of a different company and now they're not in front of you, the agency. And now they think that that carrier is their point of contact for everything. And that's just not okay. You're going to teach the client to come to go to them for everything. And now they don't remember you. And they actually question why they even need you. So there was like a very long winded answer on why Glovebox became a thing. But we recognize that we can really um, aggregate all carrier apps, all carrier web portals that you can see online into one place and allow the agency to brand that place themselves and have it in the form of a mobile app and a, and a web portal that they could put on their website. And so that's a very interesting concept that we just worked on daily before and after work, work being at the agency. And then when we sold the agency to start this project, actually get it going, um, it really took, it had, it, it grew legs. I mean, it had its own um, energy behind it. And then we would get validation and buy-in from agents and it made sense. So that's how the evolution of the idea uh, started. 
That's awesome. Well, and I love those that come out of, you know, you guys saw and recognized the need in what you were doing daily with working with your clients and figured out there wasn't something out there that could do that and went and built it, you know? But so uh, keeping in that kind of theme on client experience, I think you've probably thought through that more than most and whether or not you want to reference glove box or not, just like explain maybe what, that client, when I say client experience, overall, what does that mean to you? Like, how do you take that? The taste in my mouth when I'm, when I'm engaging with that party, that, that other, the other party, how do I feel? Do I feel good? Do I feel warm and fuzzy? Uh, am I annoyed? Am I pissed off? Um, client experience is a feeling. It's an emotion. It's tied to the way that you are handling it um, as a company. And so you have to understand that it starts from, before you even talk to that person it is on your digital strategy, your social strategy, your lead generation. How are they even finding out about you? Is that a good experience? Cause if it's not, then you've already started off on a rocky place. Um, and so client experience is a massive scale um, that you have to identify every step of the way, the client journey and, and knowing that journey is also going to identify the places that you're weak. And you, if you're finding out where you're weak, now that's where you spend money to help, you know, you know, put some boosters behind that concept. And you're not an expert as an agent in everything and you don't need to be, and nor should you be. And actually I recommend you aren't, um, you should pay the right people for helping you with those weaknesses. And so that client experience just breaks down to the feeling and emotion that I have as a client with your organization. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's probably the simplest way to break it down. How many ballpark, how many, you know, the percentage wise, the agencies you talk to uh, in the independent churn space are putting thought effort into the experience that they're driving for their clients? You know, not, not enough. Um, If I had to just throw a number out, I'd say 25% care about um, client experience um, in regards to putting themselves in the client's shoes um, because over and over again, Elliot, I hear that I want my client to call me every single time. And that is the, and I, I know I keep circling back to that, but it is kind of the premise of the concept that you're not caring about the client experience. Then you just don't. Um, and so I think that's important to, to, to state. Yes. We want to be advisors and we want to be helpful and we want to do everything in our power to make sure that that client feels good about my agency, but that does not mean they have to be forced to call me for everything. So meet them where they want to be that whole cliche and understanding what that means. You know, you have to get feedback and, 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 and find out what that means for that client. Now from a digital aspect and from a self-service aspect, I feel really good about that. I'm a millennial. I like to use my phone. I like to use apps. I like to use things that I don't have to talk to humans if I can. Now there are places, plenty of opportunities where I want to talk to humans, but that's not the case when it comes to my initial client experience with my agency. So um, we're all clients of the insurance industry. We have policies for home and auto insurance and life and health and all that stuff. Um, so I always ask myself how I feel in the other, you know, other side of the table when I'm a client, how do I feel? Um, so hopefully that helps a little bit. Yeah. How big is the world, Andy, of kind of client experience in our industry? It's, I still, I still feel like I get comments all the time about how 
you know, the value boils back down to price, premium, you know, and there's all these excuses like the client just doesn't understand and whatnot. So, you know, doesn't understand value and they just care about what they care about and all this stuff's the same. Like how much room do you think the industry has to move into the client experience space? The other way I like to ask this question is like, how much more do you think you could get a client to pay for their home and auto insurance if they had a better experience? Just as a yeah. gauge. There's a lot to say on that, on that question. I think one of the things that kind of should come into place um, when you're considering client experience is your core systems that you use as an agency. So I use a rater to help me quote. I use a CRM to help me kind of like, you know, manage my leads and manage my clients and where I'm at in the, in the pipeline with them. I use an AMS, a management system to manage the client once they become a client. And that's where downloads come in and that's where I track their notes and all that good stuff. But out of that pie of core systems, I just labeled three, where is the retention tool? Where do you engage with the clients and offer them something valuable to not only help them manage their own stuff, but help them engage with you as the agency and have that very good seamless communication uh, and, and, and good, good feeling like I referenced. So you mentioned where in the world or how in the world, uh, kind of, I, don't, well, I don't know how you phrase the question, but you know, you're, you're basically promising that like, you want client experience to become a bigger piece of the conversation. Um, gosh, I'd say it's a small, small piece right now. Here's what is a, is a good example, Ryan. Um, you have management systems that typically offer some sort of a portal because um, so, they just, you know, oh. you, you can name it. You can name the AMS. They have a portal. These portals. <laughs> is that what they're actually called? Because they don't operate like a portal. Oh, God. Well, I think the problem <laughs> is that they are tack on products. They're just side products that have nothing to do with what the AMS does. They just have to have it in order to check a box and say they offer it. Now those products, if you actually go use them as a client, I don't know if I'm supposed to I'm allowed to cuss, but they're dog shit. Um, you go in and you, you actually try to log in with a username and a password, which guys, come on, it's 2022. We shouldn't be using username and passwords anymore. I don't have to have a username for a, a, an insurance application that I'm going to use once or twice a year, um, especially just to grab my documents. So that's number one. Number two, once I actually get in there, the interface sucks. I have no idea where I'm at, what I'm doing. And when I actually can get to the document that I needed and came for it in the first place, I'm looking at a freaking accord form. And accord forms were not ever intended to be an external facing document. No. We're, talk we're talking about a document that was an internal document for the company to like, you know, use that data for themselves. So um, there you go. I mean, there's so much to be said. Yeah. There's so much to be said for how these management systems and um, I, I love the management system. They're helpful. They help the agent and the agency. Um, but the problem is they're not focused on client experience and that's not their job or duty. So um, who knows where I was going with that. But the point is that the, the opportunity for client experience to grow and be a bigger piece of the conversation is massive opportunity. There's just not enough of it going on. So, yeah, and I, I think part of the the problem there is in the you know in the independent space, you know, we're number one. The the carriers do dictate some of that experience that we have to to yeah. drive because we have yeah. to like operate within their parameters. 
And then to make that worse, you layer on an AMS that you have to kind of follow their processes and procedures. And you have through all of that place of policy and not many agencies are saying like, they just have to operate within those. They're like, okay, we're good after that. Like, you know, we did everything that we needed to do to get the policy place and good and not taking that next step of saying, what can we do as the agency to take more control over this and our client's experience? But I think it's a symptom of like how we've had to operate within this industry for so long. Yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, it's still antiquated as can be and we're trying and SureTech is coming along. I think it's trucking right along. I think the better these systems and these companies can work together to integrate with one another and to work together versus separately and not be so fragmented, the better for the agent, the better for the consumer. Um, so I, th- I certainly know that that's starting to happen, uh, less fragmentation, but um you know, really what I think too is is most important on this topic is is what is a um what is the industry gonna do about the disparity between me as a client having to go here to get one thing accomplished and here to get another thing accomplished? And they're two different directions. It's a fork in the road that the client has to figure out. And you're you alluded to it, Elliot. If I uh, if I want to make a change on my policy, I have to go to the agent and not the carrier, and that's fine. That's not not a big deal. But then, if I want to make a claim, I have to obviously go through the carrier. There's just right. There's different directions for like different things that I want to accomplish with my policies, and we need to align those things and make that more more. We're adults, and uh, I think clients should be able to to figure that out on their own without getting to like navigated in many directions. Right. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting. And my brother Ryan actually talks about this a lot. Um, if you were to have a policy with a state farm, I could physically just go on their app and make that change. But if I have a policy with an independent agent, that's with progressive, I have to go to that independent agent to make that change. So I'm not able to do it myself. Why is that the case? Yep. So I, I just, I don't get that. You know, there's some things within the independent channel that has to be adjusted. And I don't think that's a short-term solution, but it's interesting. You can't even really use the excuse that, you know, um, you want to enhance the value when they call or, uh, you know, you want to try to build the relationship when you force them to call because, being captive with state farming, they know you're making the change so they can reach out at any time. Like they've got the systems cause it's all internal yeah. and it's like, we're forcing the client to do something for the wrong reasons. Well said on the independent side, yeah. forcing them um, yeah. to do that. I, there's a lot, there's a lot behind that, that uh, exact line right there. So. Well, it's, you know, when you hear, when you ask that question, say if you had a room, you know, you're, you're giving a speech to a, a room full of independent agents. I think everybody out there should, should be able to answer this question is what's your value to the client? And like so many people will just say that old answer of, well, I have access, I have 30 different carriers that I can go to and get them quotes. And I put all that together and I make it happen. And I like my, my, we went through this exercise internally at our firm of like, okay, well, what happens when Amazon has those 30 carrier relationships and they're so efficient that they can just, you know, they, they have all of your homeowner's information. They know you bought a fire extinguisher, you know, last week, they know you got smoke alarms cause they probably run that too. And you know, all the stuff. And so then they can do it for 2% commission, you know, and they can cut out 10 to 15% of the agency commission that's in there. So like, what are we doing? 
as the independent agency to bring 10 to 15% value to that client. Yeah, well said. Yeah, not enough people are having that conversation, right? Yeah, no, that's perfect. That's really well said. I mean, every agency has got to have a different answer there. Or if your answer is the same, what are you doing to make sure that it's a big piece of your business and making sure that that's well known? What was your value prop at the agency, Andy? Turnaround time and availability, um, making sure that clients know that things get done when they need it and being available as all the time. There wasn't a, there wasn't time off, like as far as that goes. So I would actually add something to that. I think from what you said, what you were a little bit different from your clients, but you're, you could talk to your value prop to the mortgage officers that you would. I think that's a big piece too, because you kind of found an angle there to provide value to them to help them make a transaction and put money in their pocket. Right. Right. Yeah. If you feel like you're an extension of a mortgage broker's business, then the client's really working with in their eyes, like one funnel versus two, uh, they're working with that mortgage broker, but you're just a part of that mortgage broker process. So you really feel like you're a part of the mortgage broker's business. Right. Um, so yeah, absolutely. As a client that makes it feel easier. Um, and I think that the other thing that goes, this is, may not be exactly what you guys are alluding to, but, um, we were all about not doing any monoline homes. Don't do mono, standalone home policies. We package business on purpose. So you will not have just a standalone home policy at the agency. You have to uh, send off a quote that's a package. So the home and auto uh, or renter's auto. Uh, it's just the way that we as an agency operated and the client would just have to understand that if they didn't want that, then we would just go ahead and uh, gracefully decline that business. So uh, retention is more important than new business every day of the week. And so it's not going to retain if it's a standalone home. So totally. Well, that goes to that lifetime value of a client again that, you know, I don't know that we are, are folks in the industry think about enough either. And that's something that I would challenge everybody to do is calculate the lifetime value of your client. So if you have that personal lines client that generates 500 bucks a year in revenue, well, it's not 500 bucks a year this year. It's how long do you keep those clients on average? So if you have a five-year client relationship, that's a $2,500 client to you, yeah. you know? And I think that's how we need to, to view it because then what are you willing to put into that client to get $2,500 worth of revenue? What are you willing to do to maintain that $2,500 of revenue, you know, and so on and so forth. And that's without any growth either, you know? I would challenge agencies to find out that metrics, uh, that metric specifically if they don't know it. Um, for us, it was seven, seven and a half years or something um, for an individual or for, for a household. Um, which was pretty darn good. I think we were sitting at 97% retention for the longest time, 97.5, somewhere in there. Um, so it just was built in with the package business. And then obviously just that we were being very offensive on the service side versus just waiting for them to call pissed off. Um, so that was another piece of it. We were very departmentalized. The salespeople sell, the service people service, the managers manage, et cetera. There's no disparity there. It was just like, you do one thing. And so that was important. Do you feel like, do you feel like it's, uh, and when I hear, when we go down the road of, you know, lifetime value of a client and how that translates into cost of acquiring a client or available, available funds to be able to uh, acquire a client, how that would change things. Well, what starts running through my head is just the amount of potential lifestyle businesses that are being ran at independent agencies where they just don't really give a shit. Hmm. 
you know, it's like, they don't want, they don't, they want to run a lifestyle business and they don't want to actually run it like a fortune 500 company where they're understanding the lifetime value of a client and how that would change and help them grow and scale and to ultimately, you know, sell it or monetize it in a much bigger way. Yeah. I mean, I don't pay too much attention that nowadays on how agencies operate in that sense, but um, I think you're exactly right. I mean, kind of just understanding your own process and workflow and your value props. I mean, that's very important right now. Uh, you can't, you, there's only so many ways you can be, have a competitive advantage with the 20 agencies that are around the neighborhood. You just got to figure that out. So. Yeah. You got to put the time in to think about some of that can be technology too. Right. I mean, you know, if you can build in a, uh, an insure tech product that maybe it's not as uh, well known, let's say, or it's not in every shop, you know, and you or you can use it uniquely in your process to create value, um, you know, that that can drive part of your value proposition for those clients. Um, it can be a process that does. It can be. I mean, there's so many different things that you can uniquely do to drive a better experience, to build a better relationship. But you can't just think that it's, we answer the phone on the first ring. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's just not going to be it. Um, and so, I, again, everybody should be putting time and energy into thinking about that because I think clients are beginning to expect that a lot more. Um, it's taken a little bit longer probably to get to the insurance industry, but it's coming. Expe yeah, they do expect it. I do think so. Well, everything is that way it's like we were saying earlier like you can do everything on your phone like you very rarely do you even need a computer unless you're working sure i mean literally like the groceries the you know any food item any anything on amazon any service at all is going to be handled right then and there with some sort of an app i mean banking investments you name ins most insurance like yeah it's all right there so well this might be Good perspective for you. Sorry. Um, is, you know, we talk a lot internally. I think there's also a delineation between the insurance transaction and then like everything else that builds value and builds a relationship. Right. And oftentimes like we focus too much on the insurance transaction and like either figuring out ways to make that, you know, or, or we think about that as the whole relationship is just an insurance transaction. That's not true. You know, we should make that insurance transaction and everything around it as simple, easy, efficient as possible. And then build in all these other areas that are around that, that we can create value to the client, right? So it's kind of like what you were saying, like make it easy, meet the client where they're at, right? For the insurance transaction. And then figure out ways to drive a better experience around that, outside of that, follow-ups. Like, how are you going to create additional value? But that Insure, you know, clients want a few things. They want to save time, they want to save money, and they want to make sure they're covered. That's about it. Uh, and if you can do those three things, you're gonna you're gonna be ahead. You know, I think to add to that is your welcome call as an agency, where you're handing off that relationship to a service team, or you're as an agent saying, "I'm, you know, this is this is how you work with us," and and establishing that expectation, and then reinforcing it with a couple of follow up emails, uh, maybe a phone call every couple months to just remind them. 
uh, goes a very long way for retention because now they know that there is a process in place to work with this agency. And it's actually one that um, they can gain feedback. The agent can say, do you like the way we do this? Do you, what would you prefer? A couple of choices. And so they can take, the agency can take notes and understand the way their clients want to be reached and the way their clients want to work with that agency. And that's building your process. You just ask the right questions and get the feedback and onboard them appropriately. So. Awesome. Okay. So more of a base level question for you. If you were going back and you were going to redo your experience at your dad's agency, right? You start today and it's a $7 million premium firm. What would you do either the same or differently that would have the biggest impact on scaling that company again? I'm assuming you imagine we're in 2022 in that question. Correct. Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. Um, there's a handful of insure tech companies that would be uh, extremely foundational for the agency to scale. Um, I don't want to promote products on the show, so I'm not going to do that. But it was all it's all based on uh, the way you operate your quoting the way you operate your proposals, the way you onboard a client. I mentioned that the way you, you allow for any service. product, by the way, if it, if it's helpful to the audience, then promote away. No, I'm not going to do that here. I, I, I'd prefer not to, cause we're pretty, um, uh, um, yeah, we, we like to be well-rounded. So we'll keep it Got like it. that okay. agnostic, agnostic as can be. Uh, uh, I'm just being fair. I, I know that's a little bit politically correct, but I just want to be fair. Um, <laughs> But the point is that if you utilize, it'd be utilizing tech. It would just be very tech heavy. It's digital, digital, digital. It does not mean you're removing yourself from the process as a human. It means you're making your process more efficient. It means you're making the client feel better about the way you operate because it's easier for them. You mentioned it earlier. Um, they want to save time. They want to save energy. They want to save money. So um, you you look at those exact three things, maybe a fourth thing in there, and you just you do everything in your power to make sure you hit on every single box. And, um, you know, outside of that, we did things pretty well. I think we scaled pretty well. So I think you wouldn't change too much. I would open up the commercial side of the house a little bit more. We really did next to no commercial it was 99% personal lines. I'd probably open, uh, 25% of that to commercial lines and build a team on that side of the house. Uh, we were really good about having an inside sales team and an outside sales team that was inside sales producers would learn to be an outside producer over time. Um, I felt like that system was pretty darn good. Um, lead generation is just teaching agents how to, how to market, how to get leads, which is vital to success. You won't be successful as an insurance agent if you don't know how to market. And it's really just the lead generation side of the house. Um, and especially if you do that early and often, like in your career, because then you're basically setting yourself up for success in your, your insurance career for the next decade or more. Um, it only takes, we've talked about this Elliot, and, uh, really only takes about 90 days up to six months to really establish a true lead generation program that works well for you for the rest of your career. So um, focus on those elements as an agency. I think you're going to be pretty good. So oh, oh, one more thing, InsureTech, InsureTech carriers, working with InsureTech carriers. Um, I was about to say a name of InsureTech carrier. I'm not going to do that. Uh, there are, there are some that, that, that just make everything so easy for you, the agent and for the client to just like have that good have that good experience. And I just think some insured tech carriers are, are actually, actually doing a very good job of that. So uh, keeping that in mind too. Yeah. Well, it's, awesome. I think with that, you know, it's providing or finding the right solution for the client, right? If, if that's an insured tech carrier that makes it easier and makes it simpler and, you know, that helps you bring value to your client, then you need to evaluate it. 
Yeah. Uh, training insurance agents to be really good at quoting is pretty important too, because you save a lot of time and it makes you uh, look better to the client too. Um, for example, you're taking an application with a client over the phone or however that looks. Um, you know, within the first five minutes as you're taking that application, which carrier you're going to write them with. And you got to train agents to know, okay, I already can tell that this is going to be with X carrier or X carrier. And I know that right away. And then you just literally only quote those two. You're sending back the proposal within 30 minutes and it is what it is, right? So that efficiency will help, you know, churn a lot more, get a lot more business moving. So, because you guys had like an hour, I could be totally misquoting this. So tell me, you guys were getting quotes turned around like an hour to mortgage brokers sometimes, weren't you? It was 30 minutes expectation um, after you yeah, speak. 30 to the minutes. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I was. No, yeah, you have to, if you, if you get that client on the phone and you take an application 30 minutes, like I said, cause you take a 10 minute call within 20 minutes, you are in the system with the radar and you only are quoting a couple carriers. So you already know you're picking one of those two. So it's 10 minute quote, shooting back out. It shouldn't take that long. It's just not that complicated. Now we're, we're talking home and auto, obviously, but for the, there are extra details that might need to go into that quote, but that doesn't mean you're not getting them the, the, the baseline of what your quote proposal is going to look like, right? Uh, hey, I do. I, I run your quote. Here's the proposals. I have a couple more pieces I need to go grab for you to make sure this is in line with what we're going to do for you. Uh, but at least you have them what, you, what they need to be having an understanding of which carrier they're going to be with and what that premium is going to look like. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think that that gets way overcomplicated, you know, and in the industry as well of, of like having to spend three days getting a proposal correct and I got to do this and that. And I just, you know, I think there's a much better way to go about it. And that intrigued me when I knew that you guys were, were doing those kind of turnarounds. And, and uh, for the listeners, I, it is important to understand too, we were personal lines only for the most part, 99.5%. So that's why I'm speaking that way because personal lines is a much different ballgame. You can get things done faster. So, um, and that for the mortgage broker is a big deal because they are waiting on your quote. And that tell the, the client tells the mortgage broker that was the best experience with an insurance agent I've ever had. And now you look like a rock star. So. Yeah. I'll tell you one of the things and then, and then we can kind of wrap up if, with anything else. But one of the things that I took away from that, that speech you gave was it was interesting to me how you went and found a way to kind of put yourself in the middle of a transaction for somebody else. Right. So the mortgage broker had to have the insurance in place to close their deal and for them to get paid. Right. Now they, they could use the other, the clients, you know, other agent or whatever, but they didn't know that. They didn't know if they were shitty. They didn't know if they were going to get it for two days or whatever. So it's like they had an incentive to make sure that they could get you guys involved at the right time to get there to get paid. Right. Yeah. And those exist all over, like whether you're commercial, whether you're like, there's ways to figure that out with your niche focused or whatnot. Like how can you put yourself in the middle of that transaction to help somebody else get paid? You know, to yeah. help get it done. Yeah. And I feel like if you can do that, that's where you get the referrals. That's where you get in solid referrals. Cause again, like they're going to give you one, but I need this done so I can get my loan done or whatever. Exactly. If you understand the way they operate and the way they do their loan and you inject yourself into their process, knowing that, but also holding your standards for how you operate with like package business and everything. And you get referred the way you want to be referred, which makes sense for you then you've just basically provided an equation for success for a long time because that mortgage broker gets to know the way you do business and they appreciate it. And now they don't want to work with other agents because they 
don't want to deal with the crap that comes with the other agents process or the, the, the lack of speed or the lack of attention or the lack of care. So all of this stuff is simple and cliche, but it matters and it, it makes a difference. So with uh, consistency and knowing how you operate and, and again, just turn around time and availability, you're going to be pretty successful. Absolutely. Well, dude, that was awesome. Uh, thanks for the yeah. time. Thanks for coming on, Andy. Yeah, it was a fun time. I, I like uh, talking shop. I love. Uh, sometimes I wish back was wish I was still at the agency. I'll <laughs> say that uh, growing a technology company is. Um, I'm pulling my hair out some days. I mean, tech is not easy, guys. It's. Um, I'm not technical. I don't barely. I, I know how to use a phone and a computer, but like the rest of it's pretty foreign, I guess. So uh, uh, it's just different. It's different. So okay. we're working. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, yeah. Check, for those out there, check out Globebox. Check out what these guys are doing. It's pretty awesome. Um, and again, it hits on a lot of this stuff we're talking about. They're solving some of these issues. So definitely check them out. I'm sure we'll, or we will include, you know, Andy's contact information and everything and then how to get in touch with them. So, um, cool. take time, dude. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Looking thanks, Andy. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Elliot. Catch you soon. Thank you for tuning in to Getting Past the Premium. We are excited to continue breaking down barriers and finding solutions together. If you would like to reach out regarding anything you heard in today's episode, find links and contact info in the description. Until next time, have a great day, and let's continue getting past the premium.